Your involvement given the responsibility to determine the outcome of this case. This is very serious business, so make sure you make your decision wisely. The decision needs to be unanimous either way, so deliberate until you come with an agreement. Okay, we should probably get started. Yeah, the sooner we get finished, the sooner we can get out of here. You know what? It's a, it's an open and shut case, so it's not going to take that long. Well, we should all take our seats. Can you take your seats in the order of juror number? We want to do this by secret ballot, or show of hands, go around the room, or... There's no point in doing it at random. We all know what the result's going to be. Well, we should at least go around the room so it's somewhat orderly. Okay. So when it's your turn, state it happened or didn't happen. I'll go first since I'm number one. It did not happen. 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 It did happen. What? It did not happen. It did not happen. It did not happen. It did not happen. Okay, so we have ten for Jesus didn't resurrect and one for Jesus resurrected. You mean, you really think Jesus resurrected? After all that we heard in there? Yeah. You know, I can't say for sure whether or not Jesus resurrected or not. But to be able to say that, that he didn't, it has to be beyond a shadow of a doubt. And I think there's enough evidence that we need to look at because it's not real conclusive here that Jesus didn't resurrect. We need to come to a decision and it has to be unanimous. But I have plans later. We should be done by now. Okay, well, since we all know that Jesus didn't resurrect, except the one gentleman, let's all go around the room and explain our vote so we can show him why he's wrong. I voted Jesus didn't resurrect because it's unheard of. People don't just come back to life. That's right. Mm-hmm. She has a point. I don't think you can Why not? I don't think you can resurrect. I would like to pass. Are you sure? Well, I say that he didn't resurrect because of the (coughs) evidence. If you, uh, if you plainly see, I can show you if you want. This clearly states here everything points to the fact that Jesus didn't resurrect. That's right, and I don't even think he died in the first place. Think about it, folks. It was the end of the day. Roman guards were probably tired. Had families they wanted to go home to. They broke the legs of the other two criminals just to speed up their deaths. But when they got to Jesus... They didn't see the need to break his legs because he was already dead. Or so they thought. Well, they, Roman guards took Jesus off of the cross, passed him on to some of his friends who then laid him in a tomb. After three days, he rested, revived, and walked out. And that's how I think it happened. I mean, I did pretty well after long You know, you're right. We need to think about this. Because you take a man and you feed him within an inch of his life. And then he hangs on the cross. And you're right, you're right. The Roman soldiers did not break Jesus' legs. 
But they did shove a spear up into his side and into his heart. You're also right. They did take him down from the cross. And his friends laid him in a tomb. But here's where we got to think again. So, this man, Jesus, is laying in the tomb for three days. And we're saying that he came back to life, gained enough strength to where he can roll this stone away, and then escape without the Roman soldiers knowing that he's leaving. Why do we have to spend so much time talking about this? Because it's our responsibility to decide this case. Alright, alright, look. We would all like to go home, so let's just do what we need to do and get out of here. Alright guys, I, I'll make a deal with you. I'll make a deal with you. Let's take another vote. And this time by secret ballot. And I won't vote. Thank oh, you. Thank goodness. If there are ten votes for Jesus did not resurrect, then I'll change my vote and we can all go home. Uh, yeah. We can go home. Sounds man. great. That's ten. Jesus didn't resurrect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was you, wasn't it? Why did you change your vote? You don't know me, and you don't know how I voted. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know you. You know what? You were silent earlier. You were just fine saying, I'd like to pass. But now, now you want to speak up? You know what? You're, you're a coward. You don't have a spine. Hey. You don't have a back. Hey, leave her alone. Oh, oh yeah? yeah? Yeah. You want to oh. change the vote? Sure, go ahead. I did. Really? And I'll tell you what. why. This man right here, he's been standing up to us ever since we got here. Now, he can't say for sure that Jesus resurrected or not. Of course he can. But he wanted to look at all the evidence. Now, it's not easy to stand up to the crowd and face ridicule. He took a gamble to see if anyone would support him, and I did. Now, I can't say for sure whether or not Jesus resurrected, but I wanted to hear more. Okay, let's take a few minutes and maybe get a drink of water, cool off a little bit, we'll get back to discussing this. I thought this was... Okay, let's go ahead and take our seats again. And who else needs to explain why they voted that Jesus did not resurrect? Yeah, I got something. There we go. I don't believe the women. What? Here, here. Oh my goodness. <laughs> here, here. Hear me out. Yeah. They were in such an emotional state on Sunday morning that they went to the wrong tomb. Now they're going around town spreading rumors that Jesus resurrected when actually they just went to the wrong tomb. Uh, there you go. Wow. 
Women, huh? <laughs> well, this gives us some more opportunity to really think through the situation. So, these women got up early on Sunday morning to go anoint Jesus' body. Now, they went to the tomb, and when they got there, they found the tomb was empty. Okay? So, they ran back into town to tell his disciples that Jesus' body was not in the tomb. Alright? The disciples didn't wait for an escort for these ladies to take him back to Jesus' tomb. They ran ahead and they went to the tomb. Now what are the chances of these two groups of people both going to the wrong tomb? Also, if their claim is false, why didn't anyone find the right tomb and produce the body? That would have stopped this trial before it started. That's, that's a good point. I mean, think about this. Whenever you've gone to the cemetery to anoint your loved ones, have you ever gone to the wrong tomb? No matter how distraught or how much in grief someone is when they lose somebody, they remember where their loved ones are buried. It's true. When my mother died, I could find her tomb even if I was blindfolded. But that doesn't mean that he resurrected. So there wasn't a body. That means nothing. I'd like to call for another vote. Okay, this time let's do it by show of hands. All who believe Jesus did not resurrect, raise your hands. resurrected now? We've been at this for way too long. I've got plans. I need to get out of here. Why do we keep talking about this? Because this is too important to take it lightly. We all have things we'd rather be doing right now, but they can wait. Right. We need to discuss this some more. For those of you who are still voting that Jesus did not resurrect... What other evidence should we look at? Well, I'm basing my decision on the testimony of the guards. Remember, they were under oath when they swore that they were asleep and the disciples came and stole the body. Exactly. You see, the guards were asleep and the disciples took the body. We have to believe the guards. They are Roman guards. They represent Rome. But that really doesn't make any sense. If the guards were sleeping, how would they know what happened when they were sleeping? Jesus could have resurrected, and they didn't know, because they were dreaming about torturing small children. The fact that those guards are still alive says something is not right with their testimonies. You know, Rome does not take too kindly to guards who fall asleep at their post. They, uh, they usually end up on the wrong end of stones, if you know what I'm saying. That's a very good point, actually. Hey, you guys remember the, uh, the trial last year where the soldier let that prisoner escape? Oh, wow. It was not pretty what Caesar did to him. No, it wasn't. I mean, this, this was the trial of the century. There's got to be more that the soldiers aren't telling us. Come on. I'm getting tired of all this talking. I changed my vote to Jesus resurrected. <laughs> Don't change your vote. Don't change your vote because you want to get out of here 
vote according to what you believe. You know, uh, we haven't even considered or looked at the testimonies of other people that saw Jesus after he resurrected. Now you're talking like you believe all this? Come on! Those witnesses were lying! They were lying! Can we take another vote? Yeah. All in favor of Jesus resurrected, raise your hands. Okay, and all in favor of Jesus did not resurrect? Okay, that's ten votes for Jesus resurrected and one vote for Jesus did not resurrect. What's wrong with you people? The guards, the Roman guards testified under oath that the disciples took the body. He can't have resurrected. It is impossible. The truth. We need to go to the temple. We need to go to the tomb in case they went to the wrong one. He can't have resurrected. He just can't. If Jesus resurrected, that means I have to change the way I live. I have to. Jesus resurrected. How am I going to follow that? Man, that was awesome. Awesome. I appreciate uh, what we just witnessed up here this morning. My name's Tim. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. Good to have you with us here on Easter. And um, today we're talking about the juror number 12. And you probably noticed, if you count the chairs, how many are up here, right? 11? You notice that? Well, there's a 12th juror in the room, folks. It's you. We all come down one way or the other when it comes to this resurrection of Jesus. And uh, I may be speaking to the choir in this, in this room. It may be possible. But even in the time of Christ's uh, resurrection, there were skeptics. There were people that stood on one side of the issue and others that stood totally on the other side. And there were those that were in the middle. And... Um, it's never changed. That's always been like that. It's, it's all, it, from the moment Jesus came out of the tomb, there's always been these three groups, these jurors, so to speak, wrestling with the evidence. And um, today I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to be looking at it in the message paraphrase. Uh, I find it interesting. We're going to be looking at it here in just a second. What's interesting to me about this is, is that the, um, the, at the time when Jesus resurrected shortly afterwards, the Apostle Paul would be in Athens. And when he talked about the resurrection, the Bible records that some people in the crowd laughed about it. They scoffed. They, they didn't take it seriously. And we find in 1 Corinthians 15, it's now about 30 years later, uh, we, we see um, another Greek town in Corinth. And these are people, this is, this is a church in Corinth that Paul is talking to. And he's addressing the very, you know, this idea of did Jesus resurrect or did he not? In fact, he makes a case almost like an attorney giving his closing arguments in a courtroom. He begins to talk to uh, the church Let's read this. You can read it up on the screens with me there. This is 1 Corinthians 15. It says, Friends, let me go over the message with you one final time. This message that I proclaim and that you made your own, this message on which you took your stand and by which your life has been saved. I'm assuming now that your belief was the real thing and not a passing fancy, that you're in this for good and holding fast. The first thing... I did was placed before you what was placed 
emphatically before me that the Messiah died for our sins exactly as the Scripture tells us, that He was buried and He was raised from death on the third day, again, exactly as Scripture says, that He presented Himself alive to Peter, then to His closest followers, and later to more than 500 of His followers at the same time, most of them still around, although a few have since died, that He then spent time with James, and that's, by the way, a member of His family, and the rest of those He commissioned to represent Him, and that He finally presented Himself alive to me. It was fitting that I bring up the rear. I don't deserve to be included in that inner circle, as you well know, having spent all those early years trying my best to stamp God's church right out of existence. But because God was so gracious, so very gracious, here I am, and I'm not about to let this grace go to waste. Haven't I worked a hard trying to do more than any of the others. Even then, my work didn't amount to all that much. It was God giving me the work to do, God giving me the energy to do it. So whether you heard it from me or from those others, it's all the same. We spoke God's truth, and you entrusted your lives. Now let me ask you something profound yet troubling. If you became believers because you trusted the proclamation that Christ is alive, risen from the dead, how can you let anybody, how can you let people say that there is no such thing as a resurrection? If there is no resurrection, there's no living Christ. And face it, if there's no resurrection for Christ, everything we've told you is smoke and mirrors. And everything you've staked your life on is smoke and mirrors. Not only that... But we'd be guilty of telling a string of barefaced lies about God. All these affidavits we passed on to you verifying that God raised up Christ. Sheer fabrications if there's no resurrection. If corpses can't be raised, then Christ wasn't because He was indeed dead. And if Christ weren't raised, then all you're doing is wandering about in the dark as lost as ever. It's even worse for those who died hoping in Christ and resurrection because they're already in their graves. If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a pretty sorry lot. But the truth is that Christ has been raised up. The first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. There is a nice symmetry to this. Death initially came by a man, and resurrection from death came by a man. Everybody dies in Adam. Everybody comes alive in Christ. But we have to wait our turn. Christ is first, then those with Him at His coming. The grand consummation when, after crushing the opposition, He hands over His kingdom to God the Father. He won't let up until the last enemy is down, and the very last enemy is death. If God's power stops at the cemetery gates, why do we keep doing things that suggest He's going to clean the place out someday, pulling everyone up on their feet alive? And why do you think I keep risking my neck in this dangerous work? I look death in the face practically every day I live. Do you think I'd do this if I wasn't convinced of your resurrection and mine as guaranteed by the resurrection Messiah, Jesus? Do you think... I was just trying to act heroic when I fought the wild beasts in Ephesus, hoping it wouldn't be the end of me. Not in your life. It's resurrection. Resurrection. Always resurrection that undergirds what I do and say the way I live. If there's no resurrection, we eat, we drink, and the next day we die. And that's all there is to it. But don't fool yourselves. Don't let yourselves be poisoned by all that anti-resurrection loose talk. These kind of companions ruin your character. I never thought about 1 Corinthians 15 being in that context. That it's about the resurrection. And you know, today we've listened and watched. I really enjoyed this. I never saw it before. I didn't watch them practice. I wanted to see it like everybody else for the first time. And um, it just reminds me, I thought Andy playing the part of the guy just wanting to go. You know, I got lawns to mow. I've got, you know, burgers to eat or whatever. I just got things to do. A lot of times, most people, they don't want to talk about this. They really don't want to weigh the evidence. They just want to get on with their lives. And I love the response. This is far too important. 
far too important to ignore, folks. I want you to know this morning, you are the twelfth juror. And what you decide, what I decide, what verdict you and I cast is going to matter. Now, why would it matter? Well, let me tell you real quickly here. Number one here, if I believe the resurrection of Jesus did not happen, then Christianity is built on a lie. It's a hoax. It's a sham. It's a joke. Here's what Paul said. If there's no resurrection, there's no living Christ. And face it, if there's no resurrection for Christ, everything we told you is smoke and mirrors. And everything you've staked your life on is smoke and mirrors. Look what else it says. Not only that, but we'd be guilty of telling a string of barefaced lies about God. Christianity's a hoax. We're wasting our time believing this. It's just a big lie. Number two... If there's no resurrection, if that's the way you're going to cite on this, you're going to be forced to believe this, that Jesus changes nothing. He changes nothing if He doesn't resurrect. Like what Paul says here on your notes, if corpses can't be raised, then Christ wasn't, because He was indeed dead. And if Christ weren't raised, then all you're doing is wandering about in the dark as lost as ever. Why is that? Because a dead Savior can't save anybody. If I'm drowning out in the ocean and I see a lifeguard sitting up and I go, Hey, help me, help me. And they get up there and they can't feel a pulse. That guy can't help me. A dead Savior cannot save anyone. The cross means absolutely nothing. It's just another death on a regular day. If I believe the resurrection didn't happen. And the third thing, to me the most tragic that Paul makes here is, If I don't believe there's a resurrection, then trusting Jesus leads to disappointment, to great disappointment. Stop and think about that. Look what he says. If all we get of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a pretty sorry lot. He says we ought to be pitied more than anybody else. If there's no resurrection, then I guess we should eat, drink, because the next day we'll die. That's a That was a popular phrase even in Paul's day. It was a phrase used in the Bible in the Old Testament many times as well. And he says, why? And that's because that's all there is. You see, if being a Christian is only about here, think about this. If being a Christian is only about, well, you know, I heard somebody say it this way. Well, you know, if there's no heaven, there's no eternity, at least, you know, living a Christian life's the best life. Are you crazy? Are you nuts? Well, you, but Tim, don't you feel good being moral or, I'm glad you're assuming that moral, good. You know, do you feel good about, you know, uh, that you work hard and you're honest and, you know, uh, I mean, following Christ does improve your life on this earth, right? Sometimes it does, yeah. Sometimes it makes it worse. Sometimes it makes it hard. When you stand up for Jesus, you're gonna get rejected. When you stand up for Christ, you might get fired now. There's all kinds of things that can happen because you... Why would I put myself through something like that if there was no resurrection? Because, see, the resurrection is telling me there's something else coming. It's not just about here. I say to some of you here, you know, I think following Christ, church... I know... I Listen, I want you and I, I want me to do better and be well emotionally... You know, I want to be, I want to feel good. I want to do the right, I want to be financially secure. I want to be responsible. I, I learned from Christianity. I've learned from the Bible. Lots of passages of the Bible talk about how to help ourselves. But this is not a self-help book. This is about helping me get somewhere I can't get to on my own. It's about tomorrow. It's about what God has in store after this life on earth. And to give yourself, listen, church, to give yourself to this Christian life that can involve suffering and self-denial and discipline. And then at the very end, you're doing this because you're hoping for eternal life. And at the end, you find out, no, it didn't happen. Well, you're the greatest fool that ever walked the earth. Why not be pitied more than anybody else? It's like getting a ticket to a blues playoff game somewhere and you've been dreaming of this and you get there and you find out that what you printed was a fake. Well, yes, but boy, the trip was worth it. Didn't we have fun traveling together to Winnipeg or wherever? 
No, I came to the game. I came to the thing. And I don't even get to go in. No, it's all fake. You've got a fake ticket. And I know people walk away. You walk away from that ticket, but people go, what a fool. Believe in all that. And then to have his hopes dashed at the very end. That's what, why be a Christian if it isn't about more than this? But the thing is, Paul makes this clear. It makes it so good. He says, but the resurrection did happen. He says, but it did happen. Yes, I'm like a lawyer goes, well, let's say it didn't happen, but it did happen. And he, look how he says it. But the truth is that Christ has been raised up and he's the first with many to follow. And he's saying, you're going to follow. You're going to follow this legacy. You're coming out of that cemetery. This morning, I, I, I remember I said to somebody, I said, is the tomb empty? Thank God it is. And I'm looking forward to mine being empty too. That's what it means to be a Christian. To have an empty box. I can't wait. And see, so if I believe, and then he goes on to makes his case now, if I believe there's a resurrection, then I, I'm forced to conclude some things. The first thing is, everything that God says is true. Everything God promises is true. The first thing I did was place, he says, before you what was placed so emphatically, so clearly, so convincingly before me. And what was that, Paul? That the Messiah died for our sins, exactly as the Scriptures tell us. You know, Paul used to think this was a lie. He was killing people saying, this is not true. Kind of like uh, this juror going off on everybody. When he banged the tables, did you jump? I sure did. (laughs) And Paul was one of those guys banging the table. He'd go into cities and grab them out of prison and have them stoned or have them in prison because they believed what he thought to be was a crazy hoax, believed it to be a lie. And he says, that's why I think it's interesting that the Apostle Paul, he's saying, this happened just like the Scriptures, the ones he believed the Old Testament. He's not talking about New Testament Scripture. It hadn't been written yet. He's talking about Old Testament. Just like the Scriptures tell us that He was buried, raised from death on the third day, exactly as the Scriptures say. See, the resurrection gives credibility to everything God says. Everything. I don't know who needs to hear these statements, but every one of them is true today because of the resurrection. When God says, I love you more than anything else. That is true. That you matter to me more than anything else. I don't know who needs to hear that this morning, but I want to tell you something. If you need to hear it, it is true. If God says, and God says this, somebody needs to hear this maybe. I am with you and I will never ever leave you. Never alone with me. It's true. When he says, come back to me, or come to me, and I will forgive you, that is true. Praise God, it's true. Trust me and I'll take care of you. I promise to help you. It's true. And when he says this to you and I, when he says, That sin that you have, that one you're dealing with right now, is going to destroy you. It is true. And when he says, but I have the power over that sin, that is true too. When he says things like, in the Bible, when I made my plans, I had you in mind. When I had my idea, my agenda, and what I was wanting to do, I had you in mind. When he says, my plans are the best plans for your life, better than anything you can come up with, it's all true. When he says, you have nothing to be afraid of, I don't know what you're facing right now, but God wants you to know you have nothing to be afraid of as a believer. It's true, you have nothing to be afraid of. He crushed death. Crushed it. What else is there? What else can you do to me? When you've taken that away. Wow. I don't know what's going on with you this morning, but I'll tell you, when I read my Bible, God says over and over again, regardless of your circumstances, there's a true statement from the lips of God, I am in control. 
I don't know what's got your life all topsy-turvy, where it is, but I want you to know God says, I am in control. I'm going to work everything for good that's happening to you right now. That's a true statement. And when he says things like, I'm preparing a place for you, that is true. That is true. And when he says, I will raise you from the dead, that is true. Everything God says, I've only covered what? This much. Everything God has said is true because of the resurrection. And if I believe the resurrection of Jesus did happen, then number two, God will change my priorities. It changes my priorities, folks. Do you believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead? Oh, let me give you a better question. Do you live like Jesus resurrected from the dead? I can believe it, yeah. Kind of like Andy, okay, he resurrected. Oh, you don't just want to agree with everybody. How do you know if you really believe that Christ resurrected from the dead? You live like he resurrected from the dead. You know, the Apostle Paul one time was so against Christianity, so against what Jesus was about and his resurrection. And he does an about face when he says these words again in First Corinthians. He uses his own life to show this. He says, why do you think I keep risking my neck in this dangerous work? I look death in the face practically every day I live. Do you think I'd do this if I wasn't convinced that your resurrection and mine as guaranteed by the resurrection of Messiah Jesus? Not in your life. And look what he says. It's resurrection. Resurrection. It's always resurrection. That undergirds what I do and say and the way I live. You see, how I shape my priorities really tells me and everybody else what I really believe. And if you accept that Jesus resurrected, it will change your agenda. It'll change your plans. You'll crave and desire what God wants. And if I believe the resurrection of Jesus did happen, number three, my future with God is secure. Look how Paul says it. But let me tell you something wonderful, a mystery I'll probably never fully understand. We're not all going to die, but we are all going to be changed. You hear a blast to the end of all blasts from a trumpet, and in the time that you look up and Blink your eyes, it's over. One signal from the trumpet from heaven, the dead will rise up out of their graves beyond reach of death, never to die again. At the same moment and in the same way, we'll all be changed. In the resurrection scheme of things, this has to happen. Everything perishable taken off the shelves and replaced with imperishable. This mortal replaced by immortal. Then the saying will come true, death swallowed up by triumph life. Who got the last word, O death? O death, who's afraid of you now? In a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, death, are gone. The gift of our Master the gift of our Master, Jesus Christ. Thank God. You know, Jesus one time said this, He goes, For I will live again, and you will too. And he says this to a group of disciples who wrestle with what they believe. You know, if you follow Christ, you're going to wrestle with doubts. You're going to wrestle with... Why, it's hard to believe this sometimes. I, I've asked... Uh, John Chapel, Yeah, come on up here, John. I'm wanting him to come up here, and he's going to talk a little bit of how he's dealt with his doubts as a believer. Never thought those two words would be together, huh? Okay. So I think most of you guys know me. I'm John. I grew up here. Um, I've been coming here since forever. I feel like I've gone through every single ministry in the church. Um, so because of that, I either know a lot of you guys through another person or know you directly or um, whatever. Uh, so I grew up being taught a lot about the Bible and talking a lot about it, being around Christians. 
Um, but I think whenever I started, turned like 16, 17, around that time, I started questioning a lot of different things. Um, mostly because I started seeing some minor stuff that didn't really seem like it added up. Um, I was like, I didn't know why people were doing this. That kind of seemed a little bit fake, even though it seemed really real to them. Um, and so I just kind of had these thoughts in the back of my head, but it didn't seem like anyone really talked about that. Like there was no like lesson on like doubt or if it was, it didn't like touch what I had, uh, issues with. Um, and so I just kind of kept it to myself because, well, I don't know what to say. Like, how do you just tell someone, I don't know if I believe in any of this, like, (laughs) uh, but, uh, so I kind of just, I don't know, honestly didn't deal with it very well. Just kind of live my life. Uh, it basically had moments where I just didn't really try and follow God just because of like, you know, I, in my head, I would be like, I'm not even sure if I believe in this. Like I'll just do whatever I want in this situation because I don't know. Um, so then fast forward a little bit later, I'm 18. I'm going into college. Uh, we had a camp out out back. I believe Mike Denius gave a lesson. Could not tell you a single thing that was in that lesson besides this one point where Mike was saying, he was like saying, it's a really dangerous thing to pray to God to test you. And he's like, I just, I challenged him, you guys to uh, pray to God to test your faith. And I was like, okay. I was really excited at the time. I was really enjoying the lesson and I decided to do it. And then kind of had one of those moments where I'm like, where is it at? You know, just as like a joke and then went on with my day. Well, the next morning I had a really good friend at the time. Just, I was trying to find him, sit by him and he wasn't here. So I texted him and asked where he's at. And he's like, I'm at home. And like the way he said it was just kind of odd because usually when someone's not somewhere, they kind of say why. Um, but he ended up telling me that he didn't believe in God anymore. And he's like, I don't think I'm going to come to church. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me. So I ended up talking to him about a whole bunch of different things that he had struggled with on his doubts. Some things I had some decent answers for, some things I'd never even considered before. Um, and it tested my faith. And, uh, ironically enough, I didn't put two and two together. I didn't really realize that the night before I just prayed for God to challenge my faith. And then one of my friends' faith died and I was really challenged by my own. I would say it was probably a year later before I kind of put two and two together. And at that point it made the whole experience kind of feel like a joke because it's like, <laughs> like I'm struggling believing in God and here I am and I prayed to him right before all of this happened. Like, it's almost like everything I dealt with was the whole experience was just him saying, like, you really just need to look at me like I'm here. So, you know, that really did make a big difference once I, um, you know, realized that. Uh, then I think uh, I realized I needed to look at God more seriously, more personally, because um, I think even though it would be nice to have some type of like lesson or something discussion on it all, the more and more I got to talk to different people who had um, issues with struggling with God or some aspect of it, it was totally across the board. Um, I have a background in like science. I graduated a couple years ago from SIUE with a bachelor's in mechanical engineering. And so at that time, I like was you know very into a lot of the scientific stuff. So whenever I looked at a lot of my issues with the Bible, I take it from more of that perspective. Um, I didn't even look at it from like the point of whether or not the resurrection happened, but I had friends who that was like a really big hinge point in their faith. Um, and the whole time, like just getting little bits of information from different people on how they dealt with it, um, was really helpful. Um, we did a lot of stuff with the international students at SIUE. So I got to meet a lot of different people from other countries, you know, um, I had a really good friend named Ege, which I got a lot of you guys know him. Uh, he was from Turkey. I had a pretty good friend named Muhammad. Um, he was from Saudi Arabia and uh, a couple friends from India named Haman and Suman. But I would say just kind of these friendships I developed were really uh, crucial in me developing my own faith because I kind of got to see why they believed what they believed and how they lived their life and just different experiences such as that. I seem to find a lot of people who are atheists at this point too, which I found was kind of strange. Like I wasn't like searching for them. I would just like make a friend at school. Like I had a friend Quinn. And I remember playing video games with them. You know, it's like the first time we ever hung out. And I just was looking at him. I'm like, I just, I just have this feeling that this guy's like a hardcore atheist. Turned out to be true. Uh, it was kind of interesting. Um, I kept getting these people put in my path who would challenge my faith. And 
it, it was a really odd battle because I would just kind of, I would discuss things as I felt comfortable to and um, have these experiences. And the more and more I just tried to find truth, it was like the more and more I found God. Um, it's still something that I struggle with from time to time. But whenever Tim asked me to give my testimony, I realized it's not something that's uh, a daily struggle for me, if you will. Um, I just switched jobs and I had a coworker who is an atheist there. Lovely guy who's fantastic. But I realized that there was only be key moments when I'd interact with him where I'd really kind of have doubts again um, versus before when it was uh, way more often. Uh, but it's definitely been a uh, very crazy journey that a lot of you guys have had a part in, even if you didn't know. Because a lot of times whenever I try and search for truth, I kind of don't. It's like you ask someone something, but you don't give them any info so they can't like taint it by trying to cater to what you want. Um, and I've kind of taken that mindset with some of this and it's been really helpful. So yeah, I could go on, but I'm going to end it here. <laughs> so thank you. Bible's full of uh, juror number 12s. I realized that early this morning as I was putting some finishing touches on this uh, lesson. They're all over the place, just like they're all over this room. One of them is a woman. Her, her uh, brother had passed away, and uh, Jesus being the typical preacher, they asked him to hurry up and get there so he wouldn't die. He shows up late, and... Um, when he gets there, he gets reprimanded by Martha. Martha starts giving the business. If you'd have got here sooner, you know, uh, he would have been, he wouldn't have died. And then this is the passage that Jesus, uh, these are the words that he, his, his response to her. He said, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die like everyone else, will live again. They're given eternal life for believing in me and will never perish. And then he asks her this question, Do you believe this? Do you believe this, Martha? And her answer is, Yes, Lord. You keep reading, you find he goes to the tomb and he goes, Okay, let's roll the stone away. And some a woman speaks up and says, I don't know if that's a good idea. He's been This guy's been dead for four days and he's probably pretty rank. And you know who's saying it? Martha. This is, I mean, just a minute ago she said, oh yeah, I believe you're the resurrection. Oh yeah, I believe. But she's trying to, and she's wrestling through it and trying to figure it out. And and uh, now she's like, uh, no, I see death as final. There's nobody coming back to life. And uh, Jesus helps her with that unbelief. You know, it's, uh, it's, how do you, what's your verdict going to be, folks? What are you going to decide to do? You know, as a juror, Jesus says, "If you if you you trust me on this one, I will come through." And so, this morning here on Easter Sunday at Greater Alton, I just ask you to think about that question: Do you believe this? And then put your name there. Do you believe this? reading about um, the longest trials and juries deliberations in history and in the in uh, the UK they had a trial that went 20 months almost 2 years um, and these jurors could not speak to anybody they couldn't go out and do their own thing and they listened to this case and finally, when they deliberate and they, they, they give the verdict of guilty, they try to get back in to normal life. These people go back to work. They go back to their families. They haven't seen them. They've been sequestered. They've, they've been together. They said that sometimes if somebody needed to use the restroom, they all had to get up and go together. It was just a, it was really strange. For 20 months, can you imagine that? Almost two years. And many of them talk about how they were never the same after that. Their lives just changed completely. I want you to know it's not it's not the 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 process. By the way, the process of going through a verdict 
uh, or how you, what you're going to decide with Jesus, it, yeah, it it might um, the process might lead to some change, but I'll tell you what you decide definitely will. How you when you're when you're at home, when you're working, when you're living, and I just pray that this morning that you'll think about what's your verdict. Because it matters, folks. It really matters. I'm going to pray, and um, you got a response card in your bulletin. If you'd like to respond to this presentation in some way, maybe with a decision or a prayer request, you're more than welcome to do that. We're going to sing a song after I pray and give you time to do that. And then we're going to sing another song and close out our services, and we'll be taking up a collection, a weekly contribution. If you're a guest here, we want you to know you're under no obligation to contribute. You weren't invited here to get something from you. We want to give you something. We hope we've encouraged you, challenged you to start looking at the evidence on your own and coming up with a verdict of He did resurrect. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this morning, Lord. Thank You for this wonderful presentation. It reminds us that information, whether it's a few days or 2,000 years later, Father, the evidence is still there. And it can, it can be difficult sometimes, Father, to wade through that. Father, I just think about how many of us here encounter people that don't have a lot to do with you or nothing at all. And they do have an impact, like Jonathan said. They do have an impact on our faith. Father, would you help our faith be stronger? Strengthen our faith so we can say, like the Apostle Paul, what we believe is both true and reasonable. Help us understand, Father, that uh, without a resurrection, we don't have a prayer. But because there is, Father, because there is, there's a tomorrow. Thank you for that power you displayed in that tomb and pray, Father, that, and in that body. And pray, Father, you'll also display that same power. For some of us here who are in the middle, we're not sure what to do. Would you help us, Father, trust you to lean upon your word, to trust you, and so we could experience this awesome power that you displayed in a dead body. Thank you for making our future secure. We praise you and thank you for your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.